You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Hey, what's up? Before you listen, I have a quick request from you. While you're over here listening, go ahead on down, give us a rating and a review, especially if you're on Apple Music. Let us know how much you appreciate what we bring, the conversation, the dialogue. Tell us how it supports you. Give us that good five star. We appreciate you. and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it's amazing to see you here where you're challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here along with my co-host, India Jackson, to get the dialogue going. Hello, ma'am. Hello. So... <laughs> I'm going to just jump right in. Fuck it. Um, (laughs) I, this past year and not even like the pandemic past year, but this past year since, which I believe it was last Tuesday marked a year since the uh, murder of George Floyd on film for what we thought was eight minutes and 46 seconds, which actually ended up being nine minutes and 29 seconds. Um, and it was last week as of the time of recording of this podcast. Um, this year has been a lot and a lot has transpired. Um, a lot has come up where most of us, hopefully myself included, have recognized where there's a lot of work to be done more than what we thought that there was. Do you agree with that? I definitely agree with that. Yeah. I think that with all of the things that have kind of popped up, it could be really easy to say, let's just talk about everything that's happened over this past year. There ain't enough time for that. (laughs) There's not enough time for that. There's been a lot. It's been a year. Right. And so I want to hone in with you on one very specific piece of what happened that I think is pertinent and is worth kind of observing. And it was the black square. So for those that maybe don't remember or don't know what it was, do you mind giving them a little bit of context on what the black square is? So someone 
um, or someones had the idea of showing solidarity and support for the Black Lives Matter movement um, almost a year ago now. Because mm-hmm. I want to say that was June. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact date, but June of 2020. Mm-hmm. By posting black squares um, in support of Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. on social media, from everything from Instagram to Facebook to you name it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so out of nowhere, there just, you know, began this posting of the black square and it kind of blew up, you know, over the course of one day and then trickled into the rest of the week of businesses, brands, individuals posting the square. So I looked it up just to get the date. It was June 2nd of last year that I went on my little uh, tirade (laughs) on Instagram and gave everybody the business about it. So if you have not seen that, that will also give you some additional context because when I realized that this is what was happening, I was like, wait, what the what what the hell is happening and it it, it's a little surreal to think back to the fact that I literally got up that morning took a shower and was just kind of like yeah I can't leave this like this and it came to me I gave myself some notes and I plotted it out and that thing it kind of went viral that day and I was like yeah I can't leave this here and the interesting thing about it was it had a number of problems with it. But to me, one of the biggest things that came up with it was the fact that it called to the need that so many people had to be active and to do something, yet they didn't know what it was. And so that grasping at straws of, of, of what do I need to do, this gave them a way to assuage any guilt. And it gave them a way to feel like they were being in action. But they really weren't. Not the kind of action they probably wanted. It's, um, it it just, I don't know, maybe it's me, but it, it, there was so many issues with it. And and so to take you back down memory lane, while everyone was posting black squares and Erica, you went live talking about the murder of George Floyd. Um, I was watching the algorithm. I was watching what was happening in the social media space, the marketing space, and how people posting these black squares and using certain hashtags was drowning out the messages from the very people that the movement, you know, was supposed to be supporting. And so we actually did two, I just went back and looked, we did two lives that day. One was from Flaunt Your Fires account about why your hashtag could be hurting other people. That's another rabbit hole for another time, but... Mm -hmm. And it brings me to, you know, what have we seen or what have we learned since the Black Square? And I think one of the biggest things that has stood out to me is that the Blacks, like, have we learned anything? You know, we're almost a year later since June 2nd, and there's now blue squares. There's now yellow squares. Right. And people are still using hashtags in solidarity with the communities that they're saying they're allies for and drowning out that very community's message. 
So I want to pause you on that. And so I want to, I want to hone in on that for a second, because I do think it's important to acknowledge what have you learned, if anything, but I want for you, you know, from the perspective of flaunt your fire, you know, what is wrong with these hashtags and in, in the in this like oh let me just do this because I feel like I don't want to just gloss over that I feel like people need to understand why that was such a big piece of what went wrong okay so I do feel like I could go on that for a long time and there's a lot of layers <laughs> to that yes and I do think that that will be an episode of its own over at Flaunt Your Fire where you can listen to Eric and I there talk about algorithms and how algorithms actually oppress people sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the challenge with these, the short version is when you are posting to social media and you are putting up a colored square, <laughs> <sighs> number one is, you know, why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. Are you doing this because you saw everybody else do it? Are you doing it out of fear? Um, do you know the meaning behind what you're doing before you're doing it? Because some people are just jumping to doing what they see everybody else do and not really doing the research behind why is this going on. Right. And then also when these things start to, to trend, because it feels disgusting to say this, but they are trendy things to do, right? Allyship now, activism is trendy. Mm -hmm. Um, is we need to ask ourselves, is what we're doing actually a part of our activism and our allyship, or is it being performative? Right. And the the biggest and shortest um, thing about the square from my perspective of Flaunt Your Fire and what we do over there is your visibility is designed to be true to who you are and to be intentional and just doing what you see everyone else doing is not true to who you are as a person it's fitting in let's just call it for what it is it's not making a statement um, because you're not even using your own words many times with these square posts Um, or you are writing a different version of what you saw someone else write which is not coming from the heart and then when we use a hashtag that many people from a particular community are using to share their thoughts or what you can do to support their community, well, now you've just told the algorithm that that hashtag is possibly spam, unimportant. Um, Insert thing here because the algorithm is not just looking at what people are posting and whether or not that hashtag is being used a lot. Um, But it's also looking at, are there a lot of likes? Are there a lot of comments? Um, Is there variation in the pixels of the images when you're posting something? And so when you make a post, when people are used to seeing your beautiful face and hearing your lovely words in the caption um, and, and engaging with what you have to say, and now you post an empty post with only a color, a hashtag, and minimal words or words that they've seen everybody else say, they don't engage with it. And so what do you think that's telling the algorithm about that hashtag? And how many other voices did you just drown out when you make a decision like that? 
So part of what I want to add here as well is the fact that when this happened last year, and there were a lot of people that were doing this, and they were just blanket following what, you know, was in an activism moment being co-opted as a trend, is that people also just did it as a reflex. They're like, oh, I'm going to react. I'm not going to take the time to respond and make sure I have the information that I need. Because they also kind of left behind the fact that part of what was supposed to be happening was the amplification of black voices, not just I'm going to go silent and not say anything. Because part of my issue was the fact that this meant that a lot of really vocal and visible people in these spaces all of a sudden said nothing and then left all of the work to the black people that were already in the midst of active trauma. Right. And so there was not that clarity on what it actually was. Um, I actually found that it seemed like there wasn't a lot of, mm, it wasn't really clear what was expected because everybody just started talking about it. And it was like, wait, what are we doing again? It was like a game of telephone where by the time it got to the end, it was nothing like probably where, you know, the initial intent was. And it's it was a a very sad but accurate example of where it's not good to re react or respond and to not do it from your values. And so one of the biggest things for me that I think has come up over the past year that shows up in how we work with clients collectively under Pause on the Play, as well as on our own through Erica Corday and Flaunt Your Fire, is that nothing is happening until we have talked about your values, period. Because people were doing all of this posting of this black square, but they didn't know why they were doing it. So for a lot of people, it wasn't connected to their values and their entire purpose and who they were supporting. Can we also say that nothing happens until you pause for a moment and use your own brain and think about it? Facts. <laughs> we said it. Like, yeah, okay. We are the values queens. I will own that. I will work that all day long. Give me the crown. And... Can we use our brains for a second too? <laughs> Facts. Facts. No one really thought for a second to consider um, why is this being done? And so, yes, when we work with our clients, we do go back to their list of values. And we also make them take a second to process how they feel about something and use their own brain and speak from their own heart. There is never space or encouragement from us to copy and paste something because somebody else did that. No, no, no. And that was what was happening. And unfortunately, it really showed how there was a full lack of intentionality. And it was more fear than anything of if I don't post this people are going to cancel me. And what really yes. happened was you posted it. You might have amplified black voices, black creators for a week. And then you went right on back to business as usual. So that happened. But I also want to pause on something you just said. While people were worrying about if I don't post this, I'm going to be canceled. My business is going to be canceled. They're going to cancel me. Whoever they are. The black people are going to cancel me. Oh, child. <laughs> it, I, I just feel like I need to explain something to the people. The black people. Right. Like, let me just be real clear. This fear that y'all have of black people canceling y'all, and yes, I'm always talking about, like, and maybe y'all don't hear this out, out the podcast, but I talk about this on, on this side. I used the Joni Mitchell song 
uh, clouds in my coffee. I bet you think this song is about you often. So as I say this, if you got clouds in your coffee, yes, I'm talking about you. If not, don't take it personal. Okay. I just need to clarify that. If you are so worried about us black people canceling you, can you have that much fear when our bodies have to be worried about, can I make it home? Can you have that much fear when you're worried about if I don't, you know, do the right thing with the people that I'm paying and the people that I work with and, you know, not stealing information that don't belong to me and co-opting it like it's my own. Can you have that same type of energy then, please? Right. Stop worrying about me canceling you and stop doing fuck shit. I said it. <laughs> stop it. Preach. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. But go the ahead. irony to me is that while many white-facing I'll say white facing because I really what is white facing is 100% white. Correct. Business owners and brands and social media influencers and the like were worried about if I don't post this black square, the black people will cancel me. In the process of you posting the black square with the hashtag Black Lives Matter, you canceled the post of the black people. <sighs> Damn it. <laughs> I need and I, I, I need for that to be understood. You actually made it worse. You canceled their voices. So I think that's something to really in, in this segment of the episode, let that sink in for a second. Reacting from fear of cancelization sometimes actually harms the people that you are worried about canceling you. And it's interesting how DEI has that dynamic of we're so afraid of this group over here harming us that now what we're going to do so that we don't get harmed or so that we don't run into this problem out of our, our privilege or don't lose our privileges, we now end up harming the very community that we were, you know, trying to support or we're saying we were afraid of. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you're saying that you have fear, but yet you're the one that is actually the aggressor. You're the one that's actually creating harm. And so there has to be a place of understanding that if you don't recognize what you're doing, why you're doing it, who it's for, and what the, you know, what the outcome is, then there's a problem because obviously you don't know what that outcome is going to a hundred percent be, but you do want to at least have an idea and to be able to get there. That means you at least pause long enough before you hit play to kind of question like, Hmm, what might this actually look like? Again, refer back to use your brain, take a hot second to really consider what am I doing and why am I doing this? So we try to not just point out the problem here and actually share some things that are helpful. And so one of the questions that I have for you, Erica, is as you look back on a year since the posting of the Black Square of what we now call Blackout Tuesday, um, you know, what, what do you feel like has transpired since then? Do you feel like people have learned anything since then? <laughs> some people know because <laughs> they like they like swimming in ignorance and that's just you know it allows them to play the victim it allows them to feign 
a sense of ignorance of what's happening and where they're wrong and where they're contributing to the problem. However, I have been fortunate enough to see what change can look like. I've had direct conversations with people that have been clients of mine and people that are in the community of how they have learned and what they are doing differently. And seeing the awareness that they've gained and that they still stay open to continue to gain does, you know, really, it really does inspire me. And I'm going to kind of quote something that I heard Amanda Seals say the other day, because somebody was asking her, how can she stay hopeful? And she says, I don't stay hopeful. I stay purposeful. And I have to say 150% that while there are things that have given me hope, it has given me a reason to stay purposeful. And that was such a huge, you know, awareness to kind of really process it that way. Because for me, I'm going to be honest, there was a long time during this, you know, past year, specifically in those first, I'm going to say four to six months after George Floyd was murdered on, on camera, I was in it deep and I was working my ass off and I was exhausted and burned out. Not because I didn't want to do it, but because I did. And I was just that fucking committed to it that I was suffering, you know, just doing so much. And I've learned that I can only do what I can do. And I have to, I just got to hold people accountable if that's what you come to me for. And we just have to keep going. And if you don't want to be accountable and you don't want to do the right shit, thank you, next. Goodbye. And, you know, the beauty is, is that I've had more people that have been in that first camp. I haven't had too many that I've had to remind them to excuse themselves. But I've learned what it looks like to stay purposeful. And it has, it has kept me going. And less burned out. I'm not burned out right now. <laughs> I want to clarify that too. Well... And so what I learned for myself, um, I won't speak for you, is that it's really challenging to be in the middle of your own trauma response to the Black trauma porn floating around the internet, mm-hmm. um, the Black experience, uh, and then any additional traumas you might just have because life, mm-hmm. and also be trying to support other people yes. through their allyship. And while you and I do very different things within the work that we do together and separately, um, I'll say that like I learned that part of me being a great ally for any community, let alone the Black community, meant that I had to take a really hard look at my self-care. And I had to double down on that shit and add in mm-hmm. all kinds of new tools, new resources. Yes. Um, in ways that I'd never done before. And I think we've said it here before, but um, I also recognize that like one of the things that really stood out to me during that time period of being so fueled, like my fire was completely lit to be doing the work that we do together and also doing the work that I do on my own under Flaunt Your Fire for our clients, um, is that can energize me so much that when it's time to sleep, 
my body just will not go into rest mode because it's thinking about, oh, well, we can do this and we can yes. da, da, da. And this person needs to be connected to that person. Because Same. I'm like, go Same. to sleep. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you 100%. I've had that. And sometimes I don't know what's worse. The like I'm adrenalized because I'm just going, going, going and pushing through or I'm energized because like I am excited and I want to do it. But I also need to, as Samuel L. Jackson says, go the fuck to sleep. Oh, I was thinking three, six mafia. Go to sleep. Never mind. <laughs> I-, I won't do that to this podcast. You tie, be quiet, and go to sleep. Right. The brain just would not do that. Um, right. And, and I... If you're into human design, Eric and I are both generators. I'm a pure generator. She's a manifesting generator. Mm-hmm. So that go, 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 all the ideas are here and the people are ready to do the stuff. Give them all the stuff. Just would not shut down at night. Yeah. And that led me to my own feelings of burnout. Um, and so I'm going to raise my hand and say I also learned that as someone who people may want to be an ally for, because I am still a black woman, um, it sometimes the things that people can do to support you are actually not the things that you see people saying to do on social media to be a better ally. So shout out if you're listening to Rachel Cook, who gifted us a sound meditation from Lucid Living, um, Richmond, Virginia. Uh, Erica and I got the best sleep of our life after that. I ain't never slept like that. My gosh. So (laughs) I actually had my daughter laying next to me. She fell asleep in the middle of it. Mouth open, snoring, passed out sleep. I was like, wait, I want that. And next thing I know, I blinked and I had gotten it because I was like, oh, I fell asleep. (laughs) Oh, it was good. Oh. Oh my goodness. And I mean, if you don't know about Lucid Living, the owner, Natasha Freeman, is a woman of color. I think she identifies as a a black woman. Mm -hmm. Um, Amazing sound meditation. It just re-energized us to get back and and go headfirst into doing the work, but also get the sleep that we needed. And while that's not the takeaway I was expecting to talk about, um, it definitely showed me that in knowing that I attract people, that can be like, yeah, let's do all the things really quickly. Um, I and they, and I need to hold them accountable for it, uh, need to get our rest when it's time to rest. And so one of the things that we did together is we made the decision to hire Natasha to create a sound meditation concert um, specifically for and under the energy of being an ally within yes. the pause and the play community. And yes. so our members have access to that on demand at any time to help them get some rest. And it's one of those things that sometimes we will come in and just kind of remind them and they're like, Oh, I forgot about that. And you don't realize sometimes how much you need it. And one of the pertinent things that comes up for me is that you sometimes forget what you have access to. And that is one of the things that I appreciate because again, we, you know, we hired Natasha to create this specifically for us. This was a one of a kind thing that was created for us that our community members have access to and to be able to remind them that they have access to this one part of a larger resource library to help to support them. And the fact that this is not just about here's more workshops, here's more, you know, worksheets, blah, blah, blah. It's like, wait, 
calm your nervous system. Here's this. This is for you. This is, you know, us holding our hands open with a gift to, you know, your spirit. And again, your nervous system. And for me, it feels very humbling to know that that's the type of space that we've created for people so that now when things happen, we have a, a space to kind of work these kinds of things through with these additional resources in them because the community has grown immensely over the little bit short of uh, a, a year or so that we've had it. Yeah. And I mean, you said nervous system. Um, and I think that's important to to, to mention is what, what have I learned a year since the black square? And it's that, um, you know, there's like, go get some sleep. And then there's like, no, you need deep nervous system healing. Mm -hmm. And I'll say my lesson, um, is recognizing that I wanted to double down on anything that I can do to raise awareness, access, um, an equity or, or anything along those lines to bring some of these nervous system healing tools to more black and brown people. But I'm also going to say that extends into any other underrepresented and underserved community, especially communities that have a lot of trauma. Um, it's, it's not necessarily the first thing that I think that people think about or talk about when they talk about allyship, when they talk about supporting, um, and in this case, for this conversation, the Black community for Black Lives Matter. But there were so many Black people having to process their own feelings and emotions and traumatic experiences during this time, while also still having to be the strong Black person and the mouthpiece for what was going on. And I just don't know if I saw enough of people really taking the time to pause and say, how can I support this person's holistic wellness? How can I support this person's mental health or make sure that additional people within their community have access to that? How can I just not contribute to the worsening of their mental health by coming and dropping urgency on their doorstep? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, that was a big one that we saw since the Black Square. Yep. Um, and so I, I want to dive into that a little bit if you if you feel comfortable with that. Sure. Um, but I, I do feel like one of the things that I saw um, and lessons that I learned since the Black Square is like showing up with urgency. Like, I need help now. I need DEI services now. I need visibility services now. I need feedback on this uh, email statement we're going to make now right now, like there's a constant fire <laughs> mm -hmm. that you're expecting people to put out for you is really harmful. Um, and nine times out of 10, it's not true. Like that's not a fire right now. No. And, and it's a, it's a tool of white supremacy. So we need to acknowledge that um, if we're actually trying to decolonize our, our thought processes and our lives and to change things and, and dismantle systems of oppression, we have to continue to be aware of where these systems of oppression are being pulled out of our toolbox. Hmm. Urgency as a tool of white supremacy was a big 
a big one that I've unpacked in the last year personally. Mm-hmm. And I've encouraged our community members, our clients collectively and separately to dive into you. And we've even empowered our team to start talking to clients about that. So when you show up, interesting. With, right. You show up with this, just know. Mm-mm. And it was funny because a client of ours, um, and he's working with me individually, <laughs> he talked about me on his podcast recently and how like, yeah, he thought he was going to show up with that. And didn't get that and then was like respect I got it I'm gonna wait and he waited and some people don't always and the world didn't (laughs) end from waiting no no it didn't he didn't get canceled because he waited nope (laughs) nope nope and that's a whole nother episode but I want to come back and talk about what cancel culture is and isn't because that's a whole nother piece but yes yes (laughs) yes yes and yes so for me I want to make sure that as you've listened to this, that you do take this time to pause and to kind of have some space for reflection and contemplation. Since one year ago, the Black Square, Blackout Tuesday, what have you learned? What reflections do you have for yourself? Such a great question to ask. And I think that it's worth really taking the time to journal on that. And Mm -hmm. I'm the person that hates journaling. (laughs) And I'm telling (laughs) you to go do it. But go write it out. Go unpack that. And when you're done, honor what you've learned. Honor the newfound wisdom that you have. And I would love to see you actually integrate what you've learned into your actions, into the things that you do in your day-to-day life choices to be more of an ally. I don't know if there's anything that you want to add to touch on that, Erica, um, but I think that that's so important is to go from learning into integrating it. It does need to be integrated. What I don't want to see people do is to write this out, think about it in their head, be in conversations with others around them, and it just it just kind of gets left there and it fizzles out. I would love to see this propel you forward. I would love to see this inspire you as to what's next, how you can you know make these shifts in the, the plans that you already have, how you can actually make sure to line up just a little bit more, your intent and your impact. And it's an opportunity to continue being you know, an imperfect ally by doing better and just knowing that you don't always have to do this by yourself. We've talked about the community. First of all, we talk about it all the time because it's fucking amazing. But we've talked about it (laughs) at multiple points in this episode. And so I just want to remind you that if you happen to find yourself in spaces where there's not enough opportunity and encouragement to have these conversations, you don't have to do it alone. This does happen in the community. We are talking about this. Actually, there was a, an amazing post where we were talking about this exact thing and being able to really take in what our community was sharing with us about this concept was so awe-inspiring for me. And so I want you to know that you, you don't have to do this on your own and you can absolutely come into Pause on the Play the Community do this with your fellow members. I so agree. And I think it's important to say um, that one year later, 
like your allyship can actually be fun sometimes. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. be this heavy, traumatic thing. Um, we actually have someone in our network and in our, our client base who their allyship in a sustainable way of thing, something they can do every day is Monday through Friday, they share one post from somebody who was talking about some type of cause or social justice movement of some sort on their stories. And that's fun for them to share. Um, They tend to find, from me watching what they're sharing, a lot of funny things um, that gives you a laugh and makes you think. And so I just want to share that because I know that if you've been listening for a while um, and you've been watching what's been happening in the world, especially right now, it can feel really heavy. But sometimes the ability to be in community and to know the next best thing that you can do to increase awareness, increase impact, and also boost some visibility for someone else sometimes actually can be kind of fun. It doesn't have to be this dark thing. I agree. I agree completely. So if you are ready to come in and be in community, you can come on over to pause on the play dot com forward slash community today learn more about it come on in the room so as we wrap up india any last thoughts you think we we good to allow people to go on and contemplate and go about their day um i think that if you took that question of what have you learned over this last year or what wisdom have you found since Mm -hmm. the black square and you're coming out with nothing what would you say to somebody who doesn't have an answer for that. Mm, What would I say? (laughs) Uh, It would probably be one of two things. It would either be dig deeper. Um, That's one of those points where I'll tell people to kind of propose the five whys, something I learned when I took my uh, coaching training. And if you kind of continuously ask yourself why to try to dig a little deeper. Or (laughs) if you really have nothing, Bet, what do I need to start doing differently right now in this moment? It's time to shift. Don't leave it there. Right. There's a lot of resources out there. Honestly, we have over 100 podcast episodes of learning. Thanks. <laughs> Listen. No excuses. working through the archives. And if you want to give back, because this podcast costs us money, by all means, you can PayPal us. The link is on our website. Donate and contribute to the podcast. Mm-hmm. But there's so many resources. And even if you choose not to do that, this podcast is free. So really ask yourself, why is your answer nothing? I agree. So as you take these questions, these contemplations, this information out into your world, We want to make sure that we tell you, thank you for taking the time to listen to being a part of removing stigmas, creating real change, real connections, and being a part of the change that we all want to see in the world. So, you know, we love being here, creating a bridge for you to walk over. And till the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye.
Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?